the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a collection of people on this episode of the Paracast from around the world, almost literally from three different countries. We don't know if E.T. is among us at this point, but that's going to be the key to our debate with Gene and Chris. So, Chris, you have been a busy bee for the past few weeks, and I wanted to get an update from you before we get into our guests, what's up and what's going on. Yeah, I've been, again, been battling this uh, chronic bronchitis condition that I've been dealing with since 2009. I've had, I had a relapse, and then... I kicked it and then it came back and I'm finishing up antibiotics uh, right now. Actually, today's my last day on them and I'm doing much better. I got back after a very, very long day already. I was up before dawn helping uh, set up and and load in the uh, Phoenix uh, Ballet Company who's doing a a three-day stint here in, in the Sedona Performing Arts Center for the Nutcracker. I've been <laughs> dealing with that all day because I've been up since God, the crack of dawn. I was, I was there getting uh, loading in at uh, six thirty, uh, quarter seven this morning. So <laughs> it's been a long day. Other than that, I've been uh, keeping busy. I'll be doing a swing in uh, mid January uh, through California on a um, a speaking uh, tour. Um, I'm debating with with our guys uh, with the San Luis Valley Camera Monitoring Project of of going ahead and doing a crowdfunding effort to start paying people instead of relying on their spare time, good graces, favors, that sort of thing. Once you start paying people, things tend to happen a lot quicker and in a more expeditious manner, <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, I've been uh, busy on that. Plus, I'm finishing up uh, finally about the 20th draft of two screenplays I'm working on and uh, also working on the follow-up to Stock and Herd. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Now, this show is generated by a thread in our forums, which covers the core belief in the UFO field that the flying saucers, whatever you want to call them, are visitors from other planets. And it was started by one of our forum regulars, Thomas R. Morrison, who is here, and he'll introduce himself in a moment. And it's called the Extraterrestrial Hypothesis, Fact and Fallacy. Thomas, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for inviting me on, Gene. I'm an artist in New Orleans. I've been studying physics since I was a child, since my sighting experience as a seven-year-old child. That was a dramatic daylight sighting. And um, and so I've probably spent about 40 years trying to figure out how these things moved. I found the extraterrestrial hypothesis to be the best fit for what I'm trying to understand, which is the physics of these devices, how they move, and how we might be able to replicate them. One of our participants in the forum is someone who most of our listeners know. He's called Burnt State in the forum, but we also know him by the things he's written and his contributions to some publications. It's Robert Brandstetter, who is a resident of Canada. Robert? Hey there, Gene. Thanks for having me back on. 
Uh, like Thomas, I was uh, brought into the fold because of a, a very dramatic sighting when I was about nine. And so also for the last 40 years, I've also been moving in and out of paying attention to uh, the field with more and more interest, especially these last five years, I really sunk myself into it. Instead of uh, like Thomas wanting to know, you know, how, how they work, I'm kind of more interested in what they are and what their impact is on us. And so a lot of my time has not been given over to the ETH so much as exploring the idea of the witness and what does perception mean and uh, what's the nature of the interactions that are taking place with this conundrum that seems to be fairly age-old on our planet. Across the world, one of our forum moderators and a regular listener for a number of years, Mike Jones, tell us about yourself. G'day, Gene, and thanks for having me on the show. I've had a long, almost all my life interest in UFOs. I read Chariots of the Gods when I was about six years old, uh, and I've always been interested in them. I've always been a, a um, someone that's that's taken them seriously and, and, and accepted that they, they are here. I currently live in the Blue Mountains west of uh, Sydney, Australia, with views of Sydney, um, and I had one experience that may or may not have been an abduction experience. It could have been sleep paralysis. It could have been something else. Uh, it was profound, whatever it was, and uh, it had a, a long-lasting impact on, on my worldview, if you will. Before we get to one more guest, can you tell our listeners maybe in a minute or two a rough overview of this experience? I uh, went to bed, uh, as I normally do, one night, and uh, I woke up wide awake in the middle of the night, which isn't usual for me. I, I normally wake up in a sort of fairly you know, dozy state. I was wide awake as if I just two or three cups of coffee and was bouncing off the walls, and I could hear noises in the lounge room. Now, their, their house does make noises, but this this wasn't creaking um, and, and shifting of, of the, the timbers that I'm used to that this was, uh, I thought I was being burglarized. I thought there was someone in the lounge and it, it sounded like there was someone poking around in the lounge. I thought to get up and discovered that I couldn't move. I was absolutely paralyzed. The only, the only part of my body that could move was my eyeballs. Um, and so I was looking at the, the door frame to the bedroom that led to the hallway and then back to the bedroom and, and all the details are as clear in my mind as, as if I was awake and then all of a sudden um, there's what appears to be a classic grey except that it was probably eight feet tall, it only just cleared the door frame and it sort of slid into the room like it was on roller skates, it didn't appear to walk and then it slid sideways up the bed and I passed out in sheer fright uh, and the next thing I woke up first thing in the morning um, and literally just flew out of the bed and, and sort of stood there with my arms by my side panting. It was as if the, the fright had been suspended for that time. And then as, as soon as I woke up, it was switched straight back on again. At that stage of the game, you know, the only uh, descriptions of, of greys were the little short guys. And so I figured to myself, okay, this was just a, a bad hallucination or a bad nightmare, maybe bad cheese before I'd gone to bed. Um, but years later, I discovered that there, there are people who recount what they call the tall greys. And so I had to revisit whether or not what happened happened or didn't happen. But, but either way, it, um, it had a profound effect on me in terms of just how I view the world. And one more gentleman made the name of Jason, who is known in our forums as Marduk. What does that signify? Oh, it's 
just a classic interest I've had, kind of an ancient Sumerian, kind of Mesopotamian philosophy going back to, you know, when I was a teenager, in, in, you know, being into such things. I thought it'd be a cool forum name. That's the end of it. There's, there's no mystery behind that. Tell our listeners about yourself. Sure. So I'm up here in, in Calgary, Alberta, uh, uh, Randall's hometown as well. You know, like our other guests, uh, you know, I had a starting with a childhood encounter when I was about eight with a, with a daylight sighting I had with a buddy of mine. Um, otherwise, you know, I've had a few encounters o- over the course of my life, but it, it kind of stands in stark contrast with the rest of my life, where I live a pretty rational, skeptical, scientific kind of mindset. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional up here in a, bi- in a big company here in Canada. And, uh, you know, I part of my reason for being on the forums and being part of this debate is to reconcile these two kind of parts of my life. But to be honest, I, w- I would be a skeptic if I hadn't had these encounters. So... I'm just thankful to be here and, and I'm ready to have this great conversation. And uh, if I can interject uh, for a moment, I've uh, I've I've put um, I've put you in touch with Ray Stanford. You sure um, have. Who, who has had quite a uh, a series of long <laughs> and don't say I didn't warn you long lengthy <laughs> phone calls. And uh, uh, why don't you give us a, a real quick uh, appraisal of. Uh, of meeting Ray now and 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 talking with him at, at length uh, now on several occasions. So, what do you think, Jason? Before we have that answer, we're going to have to do a break. You know, one of those things that people have to do on shows like this, and then Jason will talk about his interactions with the one, the only Ray Stanford, which is going to be fascinating because we're always interested in updates on what that gentleman is up to, and certainly we want to know more about his research. So, we're doing, and we'll really get into it in the next segment. A debate on the extraterrestrial hypothesis with a special group of listeners. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Kiyosaki, Rogers, and Schiff all concur there's an economic calamity that will be facing this country. My question to you is, do you know when and are you prepared? Most people don't, but my friends over at Republic Monetary Exchange have been leading experts in precious metals to help you offset the coming economic collapse. Right now, for a limited time, they have a free book called The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. You simply need to give them a call at 888-772-2929 to get that in your hands. Do not allow the 
the insiders to do what they did to you in 2008, putting your IRAs, 401ks, and savings in jeopardy. You need this book and you need it now. The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. Call 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. There's a reason that the largest investment banking company in the world, J.P. Morgan, just purchased another 50 million ounces of silver. This free book will explain it. 888-772-2929. A commemorative President Trump dollar for only $5? Yes, the historic Trump dollar starts at only $5 at trumpdollar.us. Choose from our unique three-coin collection in gold, silver, and copper. The Vote Trump dollar, inaugural Trump dollar, and Make America Great Again Trump dollar. Available only at trumpdollar.us. Minted in the USA, our Trump dollars commemorate President Trump's patriotic stand. Order your Trump dollar collection today in time for Christmas delivery at trumpdollar.us. That's trumpdollar.us. ID Stronghold wallets are different. They may look the same on the outside. They're stylish. They'll hold your cards and cash. But they're hiding something great on the inside. No, there are no pyrotechnics. And it doesn't sing when you open it. But it does have magical powers. ID Stronghold wallets protect your critical information and identity from thieves standing right next to you. Protect your family this holiday season with affordable leather ID Stronghold wallets and purses. Anyone can buy a cheap RFID scanner online and snag your information just by walking past you. Contactless credit cards, debit cards, even your work ID badge. ID Stronghold was the first to pioneer RFID blocking technology over 12 years ago. Secure your identity and save 10% by using coupon code PRESENT for a limited time at IDStronghold.com. That's coupon code PRESENT, also available at Walmart.com, eBay, Amazon, or QVC. IDStronghold.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Before we go on, I want to remind our listeners that we have a second radio show that we offer. To listeners of the Paracast, if they subscribe to the Paracast Plus, they get the After the Paracast podcast, which can be a mixture of anything under the sun. Unpredictable. We also give a version of this show free of 41 minutes of network ads. So if you want to know more, check plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We have Thomas R. Morrison, Robert Brandstetter, Mike Jones, and we have Jason, known as Marduk, in the forums. With Gene and Chris, we're talking about the ET hypothesis, but Jason has also had some interactions with Ray Stanford that we're going to ask about now. Jason? Sure thing. Hey, first of all, thank you, Chris, for for extending the invite and kind of brokering that conversation. Let let me just start by saying I was woefully unprepared for my initial conversation with Ray. The man is just a wealth of detail, and his memory and ability to recall what happened decades ago is just absolutely phenomenal. And let me tell you, you know, 
I got to admit, I was pretty skeptical talking to Ray, you know, given some of the uh, pretty groundbreaking things Chris had to say about the evidence he has. And Ray's actually had some discussions with me and actually started to share some of his material with me. And I got to tell you, the guy knows what he's talking about. I was very skeptical going in, and uh, he's got some data that that I think is going to blow some people's minds. I wouldn't I wouldn't quite call it smoking gun, but let me tell you, I can smell gunpowder. That's for sure. Can you mention any specific things that really impressed you? Sure. So I think the uh, was it was it called Project Starlight, Chris? Correct. Not to be confused with Stephen Greer's uh, yes. Project Starlight, Ray. Uh, began his Project Starlight International back in the early 70s. Let me tell you, it, it appears to have collected far more data than I was actually aware of, including um, uh, he actually got a laser hit off of one of the objects in mid-flight with the return. The return has full spectrographic analysis. It has all kind of imaging on it. And it actually appears to demonstrate something with uh, when I did some some analysis on it and kind of referred to some material I found online. Looks very much like, for all intents and purposes, uh, something covered in a plasma being contained by a magnetic field in transit, let me tell you, which absolutely, absolutely floored me. Well, we hope to get further word on what Ray is doing in the future in the Paracast, but let's get now to what will be a great debate or something. It all started when Thomas R. Morrison opened this forum topic or thread in our forums. Therein lies a tale, I guess. It's called The Extraterrestrial Hypothesis, Fact and Fallacy. So, Thomas, why did you start the thread and what is your basic thrust of the discussion? Well, I've, um, I've noticed that a prevailing view at the Paracast lately has tended towards the reframing the debate issues, um, you know, looking for new ways to understanding of phenomenon. And um, the consensus seems to be that uh, a paranormal explanation is favored. But like Jason's story about his discussion with, with Ray Stanford indicates, it seems very clear to me that we're dealing with physical phenomenon in the sky. Now, I don't know if the ETH can explain the full range of associated phenomena, but it certainly seems that what we're looking at are technological devices that uh, appear to employ a field propulsion principle, which we may now theoretically have some understanding of, uh, thanks to Miguel Alcubierre. And, and I think that we need to collect hard scientific data, uh, like Chris is doing with both of his projects, and it would be great to collect even more data if we could get a, a larger research effort into it to really understand what these things are physically and how they maneuver. And um, I think eventually we're going to understand how to create devices that can levitate and accelerate faster than a bullet, which is um, commonly reported in UFO sightings. And so when you marry that with all of the recent advancements in exosolar planetary discoveries, uh, the fact that there are between uh, 50 and 100 and 170 billion trillion stars in our observable universe, and some 40 billion trillion of those look like they're going to be Earth-like planets that are in the habitable zone of their parent stars, it seems um, all but scientifically certain that there are going to be advanced forms of intelligent life out there and uh, we should be expecting them to arrive here and appear in our skies and perhaps collect data 
So uh, that's the perspective that I bring to it. I'd really like to get to a, a point where we can replicate this kind of field propulsion technology. And theoretically, we are making advances in that direction. So that's really exciting. I think that'll change the world for all of us. Now, one of the early participants was Robert Brandstetter, known as Brandstate in our forums. Robert, what's your reaction to this? I, I agree that the universe is possibly teeming with, with other life forms. Whether or not they're visiting here or look like humanoids, I think, is, is a highly debatable issue. For me, I think that you know the first-level reading of the phenomenon, especially the lights in the sky component of it, whether it includes radar traces or, or not, is the notion that it is an alien life form, and that's what it looks like. And, and Valet calls it a first-level reading of it, and, and I think we need to take a look at it and break down the phenomenon because I think there's more than just one thing going on. Beyond just lights in the sky, we have these things called abductions, we have close encounter cases, and when we look at the close encounter cases, it seems like there's something much more more interesting taking place than just the alien craft that's landing here. Uh, and, and even the notion of the alien craft landing and, and collecting data, when we kind of break that down and, and take a look at how many cases of those might be taking place, it seems to be rather nonsensical in terms of the number of visits. And then when we look at, you know, some of the crude aspects of the, the abduction phenomenon and kind of the retro technologies that we see there, it seems like things are being done almost more for our benefit or somehow we're more involved in naming or defining finding what's being seen inside of a close encounter environment. And I, and I would separate the close encounter cases uh, very much from the lights and sky phenomenon and, and, and break it down even further after that. I think our categorizing of the phenomenon needs to be much more diverse in the way that we collect data and verify our data needs uh, a major overhaul. Um, as well. And I think that the other piece that is often left out of the puzzle, because it's not a reproducible phenomenon, is the witness themselves. And they're really the core figure that's responsible for the majority and the bulk of what we call um, the UFO mystery. And I think looking at uh, the impacts on witnesses, the fact that there's often concurrent or uh, further paranormal activity that people experience is quite fascinating. Um, uh, we should be exploring the role of perception, memory, culture, psychology, all of these as uh, features of the, the phenomena, especially in close encounter cases, in order to perhaps better understand how the very act of seeing is playing a role in helping us understand the mystery itself. So I, I think I have no problem giving the ETH over to the lights in the sky component of it. Um, but I think when we uh, start lumping together the other aspects that are part of the phenomenon, things seem to break down a little bit more. And especially when we give a thought to how the phenomenon has changed with us culturally and technologically over history, and that it's probably been with us for age-old, uh, you know, in terms of the beginning of our, our first cultural experiences and naming and defining the idea of seeing strange visitors uh, coming to us, uh, that, that we need to, I think, broaden uh, the way that we look at it and, and explore uh, this mystery. We're going to pursue more of this and more reactions with Thomas Morrison, Robert Brandstetter, Jason, Mike Jones, Gene, and Chris. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hello, Mr. Anderson. 
The NSA has noticed how much time you spend on conservative news sites. We have no choice but to consider you a domestic terrorist. Tired of your internet activity being monitored by Big Brother? Get VirtualShield.com, the world's easiest to use virtual private network. Browse the web anonymously, leaving pesky advertisers and spies in the dust. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. Excuse me, sir. Could you take a picture of my family and me with my cell phone? Sure. Poor Mrs. Anderson. Smile for the camera. Too bad hackers never get proper permission to access your cell phone or computer camera. Anyone is or could be susceptible to illegal spying. That's why VirtualShield.com has developed Identisafe, a new security software that blocks camera and microphone access from unwanted spies. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey Water Filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey Water Filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey Water Filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com. For your quick, free reputation analysis, call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771, 800-831-0771, or visit reputationdefender.com. Have you checked your ECS lately? We have. We are New Pharma, scientists who specialize in human functions controlled by the endocannabinoid system, or ECS. Let me simplify. Your ECS is involved in physiological processes like appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and immune systems. New Pharma's patent-pending science is the big difference in our natural solutions, formulated for your well-being. For example, our foundation product provides targeted nutrition to support a healthy endocannabinoid system, which is directly responsible for managing and controlling inflammation. This product contains turmeric, which is known as one of the best anti-inflammatories on the planet. Our Allergies product contains sage, which is a very effective decongestant. See all of our amazing capsules, essential oils, and ECS herbal tea at gnuphama.com. New Pharma. Your path to wellness begins here.
Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue here. Thomas Morrison, Robert Branstetter, Jason, Mike Jones, Gene and Chris debating the ETH or extraterrestrial hypothesis. Before I ask Thomas's reaction to what Robert said, Mike, would you like to give your reaction? Sure. I agree uh, with Robert that the, the observer tends to frame the phenomena uh, and they, 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 they describe it. And we see that with um, the cargo cult and, and with indigenous peoples when, that, when they've been first contacted as well. They, the experience is, is defined by the observer and it's defined within the lexicon of, of their culture. And I think with humans, I think with humans, as our technology increases and our technology gets better, as our scientific jargon and lexicon gets more complex, I, I think we're able to frame the phenomena more accurately. Uh, we, we go from chariots of the gods to structured craft because, you know, we, we have structured craft now. And so we, we're able to see structured craft in, in a context that makes sense to us. I think that the extraterrestrial hypothesis it doesn't need to be the only explanation, um, but it certainly is a very good explanation, and and I think that um, you you can never discount it. I, I don't think you could ever say it, it's it's never going to be that. So yeah, I I think the extraterrestrial hypothesis is a, a valid hypothesis. It doesn't need to be the only answer. For example, you know, some have hypothesised that the, you know that the, there might have been an intelligent species of dinosaur that managed to survive the. Um, the extinction of the dinosaurs and that they may be the explanation for you know the, the draconians or the, the reptilians that we see that that's not not beyond the realms of possibility but but i i think that ev- even if some of the craft we're seeing in the skies are actually from a, a pre um, mammalian civilization here on earth that doesn't mean they all are i think that the extraterrestrial hypothesis and for the reasons outlined um the, you know, the universe is so big and the model is so consistent where we have a planet orbiting a star here with life on it it's inconceivable that, that that model wouldn't be replicated throughout not only our galaxy but throughout the hundreds and millions of other galaxies in the observable universe. People often talk about the distance involved, but if distance isn't an issue for them, if if, if they have a propulsion means that that, that means that, that the distance is, is not an issue for them, then that's really not 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 a barrier either. Jason, what's your impression of this? You know, I've I've spent some time mulling about this, and and I I think it's very very easy to get lost in this subject, and very easy to look at it from from so many different angles that you can just kind of lose your way. And you know, and the stance I've taken is a very very simple one. What is the solution to this this crazy stuff that we see in the sky and experiences that people have that actually requires the fewest amount of of extensions to what we currently know about the known universe and the eth fits that very very nicely we know we exist here on a on a wet planet orbiting a pretty ordinary star we you know it's very very likely there are other wet planets orbiting other ordinary stars uh and and we know that we can get there from here you know it's just we do that we find the time scales we can currently do it pretty inconvenient to do so but we could do it if we chose to do that and and given that the position I'm at is is I have yet to see a single uh, uh, line of reasoning that pushes me off that very, very simple thing that the ETH fits best. I'm not saying that uh, other hypotheses are, are impossible. I'm just saying that they're more improbable. 
Chris. Well, uh, we have discussed this quite a bit from time to time um, here on the Paracast, and and I think my views are fairly uh, well known, uh, if not recognized. And you know, I just want to, without going through a whole litany of of arguments um, against the ETH, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, throw this out there. Uh, first of all, these the modern age of UFOs occurred when we started popping off nuclear. Uh, nuclear weapons. Um, that's an indication to me that no, we're not being quarantined because we're being bad uh, galactic children. I think what we're doing is we're putting another tenant on the planet in jeopardy because of our um, sudden use of, uh, of and development of, of nuclear weapons, which could be highly detrimental to all life forms on the planet. If uh, this, for instance, this emerging crisis in North Korea. Um, I mean, who knows? It, it wouldn't take much, possibly, to to set to set off an exchange. And if something was already here, if some intelligence was already present on the planet, they would be put in 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 jeopardy. That's why I think we started seeing an amazing upsurge of activity uh, within a year of of, uh, of detonating nuclear weapons. Uh, that's point number one. Point number two is. There's been too many encounters um, that indicate that um, the, whatever these uh, beings or intelligences are, um, they're acting in a nonsensical, theatrical, tricksterish manner. How many times you have to um, be seen picking pl- flowers and looking at at rocks and, and other things on the surface of the planet in amazement and wonder? Uh, when you're a highly evolved, highly technological civilization, you would be able to put something in orbit around this planet uh, the size of a baseball uh, with our technology and find out pretty much anything you needed to know. Uh, I, I just I feel that there's too many uh, encounters that make no sense at all um, that that appear to have the witness supplying the details. Um, of the encounter, what the beings look like, what the technology looks like, and uh, appears to be acting uh, in in a particular technological manner. We're seeing a mirroring of uh, of technology uh, based on our present uh, state of the art. Uh, it, it appears to couch itself uh, just slightly ahead of ahead of our um, level of development. Uh, th- there's too many things that don't add up uh, in terms of something uh, extraterrestrial coming here from many light years away uh and and um and acting like <laughs> well you know like they're they're checking out the the, the new house uh, that's just been built in the neighborhood there, there's just too many things that, that don't conform to what would be in my mind just a very simple uh, approach uh that that uh, one would take uh in visiting a new planet or, or monitoring and keeping tabs on on uh on life on another planet. So I think we should exhaust all closed system, uh, you know, answers and possibilities before jumping off planet. Thomas, you want to respond to that? Yeah, that was a lot. There's a lot of different points there. Um, I have problems with the other tenant hypothesis because in order for a civilization to have become more advanced than we are today, they would have had to have left a huge global footprint at some point, um, or in under the soil and we haven't found any indications of a parallel civilization arising on the earth and we've done a lot of digging um i think we also probably would have been able to detect an industrial age you know and there's no signs of that in the soil so i don't think they're coming from 
there from our own planet. I, I suppose it's possible that another form of intelligent life could have evolved here, but something that could produce the industrial devices that we're seeing that can levitate and, uh, and accelerate at the rates we're seeing, that's really hard to imagine without leaving some kind of evidence behind that we would act, we'd be seeing right now. Uh, another point is often raised is that, um, you know, why are we seeing so many different uh, cases of uh, sample collection um, from the soil and maybe biological samples and things like that? I'm not sure how many of those are actually happening. It's really difficult to estimate the, the real numbers. Is it really that many or is it more rare than we think? Um, but I don't think that you can gather uh, all the data that you could possibly want about a living planet like ours from space, no matter how advanced your technology is. I mean, even today, we send probes and we analyze soil samples on Mars, and this seems like having a sample that you can perform scientific tests on is kind of an essential ingredient to understanding a system. And it makes a lot of sense to me that an extraterrestrial life form would do that here on the Earth. Plus, I think that we need to realize that if the extraterrestrial hypothesis is correct, then it's probably likely that there are a great number of very advanced civilizations all around us in our own galaxy and throughout the universe. We'll continue with Thomas's response looking at the ETH, or are there other tenants in the building with Thomas and Jason and Robert and Mike and Gene and Chris? You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hello, Mr. Anderson. The NSA has noticed how much time you spend on conservative news sites. We have no choice but to consider you a domestic terrorist. Tired of your internet activity being monitored by Big Brother? Get VirtualShield.com, the world's easiest to use virtual private network. Browse the web anonymously, leaving pesky advertisers and spies in the dust. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. Excuse me, sir. Could you take a picture of my family and me with my cell phone? Sure. Poor Mrs. Anderson. Smile for the camera. Too bad hackers never get proper permission to access your cell phone or computer camera. Anyone is or could be susceptible to illegal spying. That's why VirtualShield.com has developed IdentiSafe, a new security software that blocks camera and microphone access from unwanted spies. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. 
the answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Have you ever lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, pay close attention because huge discounts are now available in solar generators. Perfect for backup power outages and emergencies. Portable solar generators provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no dangerous fumes, and produces an endless supply of electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running secretly in your own home. Right now, get a $5,000 solar generator for just $995 while supplies last. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more. That's MySolarBackup.com. GCN listeners use coupon code GCN at checkout for this special offer. MySolarBackup.com. Use coupon code GCN. EMP protection available at an additional charge. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. This is a worldwide episode of the Paracast with Thomas and Jean and Chris from the U.S., and Jason and Robert from Canada, and Mike from Australia, and nobody from Mars yet. We weren't able to get the Martian Manhunter on here. We certainly made an effort. But he chose not to come. Thomas, you want to continue your response before we get further answers? Sure. I was talking about how the ETH would suggest that it's likely that many advanced civilizations exist all around us. and They could each be sending their own probes and can performing their own missions to the Earth for any number of reasons. But uh, analyzing our biology and our planet and our ecosphere would probably be a big part of that. I mean, that's certainly what we would do, right? If we could make it to other living planets in our vicinity of the galaxy, I think we'd be doing very similar things to what's reported. Uh, also, there's the argument that um, the distances are too great, that, you know, it just doesn't seem plausible. They could be traveling all that way here to do these, you know, fairly mundane experiments. But what we're seeing with theoretical physics is that if you can warp the metric of space-time in the correct way, then there's really no limit to how fast you can go, even theoretically. If you could control the metric of space-time, you know, there's you could move so many times faster than the speed of light that it's incalculable. The only upper limit that I've even been able to vaguely estimate would be the inflationary epoch of the universe, where space-time expanded at 10 billion trillion times the speed of light. If the technology could achieve that, uh, you could span the observable universe in a fraction of a second. 
So our ideas of distance, I think, are a little too parochial for what's coming down the pike technologically. Then there's the argument that the technology only appears to be slightly ahead of our development. But in the 70 years that we've seen these craft levitating and making radical accelerations that would destroy any human design technology, we've seen no progress towards a field propulsion technology that can replicate that. And it may, in fact, be many thousands of years ahead of us still. Uh, we don't know how close that technology is yet, but from the calculations that we're seeing theoretically, it's a huge problem for our technology to try to manifest an effect like that. Curving space-time is not an easy thing to do. It could be many eons before we're able to do it. I'm hoping not, but that's what the math is telling us right now. With each one of the objections to the extraterrestrial hypothesis, I find that there's um, a fairly easy, rational explanation that can counter it. So I've yet to hear really a single compelling point that would make us question whether alien visitors could come here from other stars. Okay, so we're talking here about maybe warp drive or something, huh? Absolutely. That's exactly what we're talking about. Now, scientists, by the way, are actually working on warp drive. And we don't know what the actual true level of our technological development is. That's highly classified. It's amazing how much uh, we could accomplish in, in a couple of decades. I think the, the standard uh, equation that I've heard for years now is that the state of the art in the black world is 15 to 20 years ahead of public disclosure. And uh, at the rate of technological progress that we've been making in the last 30, 40 years, uh, we could have managed to to you know, break through in, in, in many areas of aerospace and gravitics and magnetohydrodynamic propulsion, uh, th- these sorts of things. Uh, I want to, again, stress that uh, you know, the theatricality element, the tricksterous element, the stuff that uh, often doesn't even get included inside in reports of close encounter cases, the inexplicable, the things that would totally negate the case in an, a researcher, investigator, or law enforcement's mind. These are details that are left out, and I think that, that this is kind of the, the elephant in the room, if you will, uh, the absurdity of many of these encounters and the the nonsensical, tricksterish manner in which uh, interactions are, are taking place, at least the reported uh, aspect of it. And there's just a certain amount of theatricality that doesn't need to be there that has always been there. It just doesn't really add up, at least not in my, my estimation. I, I think that the, 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 the incomprehensible behavior aspect is actually something we've, we've already seen within our own um, contact scenarios here. I mean, for example, when the white people first came to Australia, they almost got speared to death because they caught a turtle and began to eat it and, and didn't offer that a part of that turtle to the tribal elders that were in the area. To the local people, that behaviour was incomprehensible. It was tricksterish. It was, it was wrong. It was, it was, they just couldn't understand why anyone would do such a strange, strange thing as to catch a turtle and not offer the, the older members of the tribe their portion first. And the young men of the tribe got very, very angry and grabbed their spears, and, and we're going to we're going to do Cook and his men in, um, because they had behaved in such a strange and unusual way. We see the same thing with the cargo cultures, where the the visitors appear to be very very strange and very very unusual, but that's only from the context of of the culture that's seeing them to to the culture that's actually here, looking at the flowers, catching the turtle, um, landing planes on runways. There's nothing unusual about what they're doing at all. It's the disparity is simply between the two cultures. 
Well, and I want to challenge some of the kind of inherent biases we have in having this conversation. The first is that they're actually any smarter than we are. They might be very technologically advanced, but in every other way, if you look at their interpersonal skills as an example, they're pretty wanting, right? And let's look at some of the crazy things we do when we explore space. I mean, one of the first people to the moon went up there with a, with a golf ball and golf club and played golf on the moon. Like, why did he do that? Any observer of that would be like, what the heck are these crazy humans doing? <laughs> right? You know, I wonder something before we go on here. That reminds me of the novel War of the Worlds. And you saw this in the movie version with Tom Cruise in the original George Powell movie version, where E.T. comes here and E.T. is invincible. E.T. is going to take over, but they succumb to our cold virus and they die off. And you wonder here if we have all these races coming from other worlds, do they take precautions when they come here to prevent them from infecting us i'm not worried about them being infected by us because i assume they would allow for that but do they care enough to protect us from them well that's a good question well you would think that they would if they were scientifically inclined and and had a concern for not having a they're obviously concerned about not having a an overt impact um on us but you know why don't how how are they able to breathe our air uh, for instance, um, most uh, entity reports, not all, but most, uh, do not indicate any sort of visible devices um, that are helping them with any sort of respiratory process. And, and, and why so many reports of, of humanoids? Uh, you know, I think that that, that to me, um, puts, puts some warning flags up. You know, it's the automatic assumption um, that life out there is going to be, uh, you know, bisymmetrical and look like us. And um, instead of, you know, I think that kind of cool element, uh, the recent movie, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Contact movie that was out with Amy Adams. Uh, the, the title escapes me, but that particular scenario had a, you know, had uh, off-planet beings that were, uh, you know, in a... You know, an enclosed environment, uh, not interacting with our with our envi- environment and vice versa, and and you know the whole communication thing I thought was was done very very well. My favorite part of that film, however, we have aliens that are able to communicate with us. Um, for instance, uh, there's just there's too much about it that is contrived, that is theatrical, um, that. It, it doesn't really conform, at least in my estimation, to a, 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 an acceptance of, of, of how life should be much more um, diverse, you would think, in terms of, of how, um, how these uh, beings appear to us. Uh, whether this is all holographic in nature, being staged uh, uh, for our benefit, it may, these, these encounters may not even really reflect the true nature of these entities or these intelligences they they may be uh projections from our own mind filling in the details that sort of thing but um but again you know without sounding like we're going around on a merry-go-round here um you know i still feel that the other 95 percent of the of the earth's oceans uh that have yet to be explored or, or even effectively mapped um and the fact that we have probably more water in the mantle of the planet, for instance, than we do in the Earth's oceans. Uh, um, we haven't even talked about the possibility of some sort of parallel 
uh, parallel existence. Um, there's a lot of a lot of uh, room, I think, for further research to look at the possibility that that these entities, these intelligences, may be more terrestrial than we are. And your point uh, before, uh, Thomas, about about there not being some sort of uh, technological footprint. Well, you know, if they developed all these technologies, you know, several hundred thousand years ago, there's a good chance that we would not uh, detect that. And if we did, we wouldn't know what we were looking at. We've got more to come with Gene, Chris, Thomas, Jason, Robert, Mike. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com, just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash OTC pain info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is a very important point that Chris brings up there, that if E.T. is thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ahead of us, would we even recognize the products of their technology is it at all possible that what we think are UFOs, flying craft, spaceships, whatever you th- we think they are, are not what we think they are? They're simply put there for our benefit. You know, they might be able to wink in and wink out of existence. Who knows what kind of technology they could have? What do you think, Thomas? 
I think that we definitely could see advancements in technology that even make something like warp field propulsion uh, seem trivial. But I don't see any reason that we need to believe that we can't trust our own senses when we perceive these things. These uh, these devices uh, appear to be fairly exotic. They're not shaped like any kind of craft that, that we're aware of. And yet multiple independent witnesses will report uh, describing the same thing. So I don't think this is all some kind of head game. I think that we're uh, probably seeing what's actually there. Um, we don't understand how it works yet. We have some a really good theory on that, uh, and we can't replicate it. But I wor- really worry when we start questioning the input of our own senses, uh, and especially when it's confirmed with like radar and trace evidence and multiple witnesses and that kind of thing. It does seem like we're dealing with something that's technological and solid. I think that we could do a much better job at collecting data about it, um, and that's why I'm so excited about Chris's two projects. We get kind of a blizzard of objections against the ETH. It can sound like a lot and it can sound very compelling when you hear the one after the other. But when you take a look at them one at a time, they tend to crumble. Let's take a look at some of them. There's this um, trickster-like quality to them. Well, I think Jason had pointed out, there are absurd things that humans do all the time. I don't see why uh, any other intelligent life wouldn't do things that we would perceive as absurd. But there may be extra dimensions to it as well. I mean, we've got psyops going on right now all over our planet by our own intelligence services that confuse people and mislead them and obfuscate the truth. And these devices and these beings don't seem to want to be detected. They certainly haven't made any effort to communicate with us publicly. So it would wouldn't be a stretch to think that they would also employ sophisticated psyops operations to keep us confused and unaware and uh, of what they're doing and why. I guess we're not that aware of our own culture of psychological operations, but it is going on. The Edward Snowden leaks uh, gave us some amazing documents that were chilling at the scale and sophistication of psychological operations just from our own governments. So an alien race that could have the technology to make it here to the Earth, they would probably have that same understanding and know exactly how to confuse the issue if they didn't want to be discovered and confronted. Uh, Another thing that often I think we forget is that if there isn't an alien civilization which can explain Explore the stars fairly freely at will, uh, we're not going to be the first destination on their itinerary. They probably have experiences with any number of living planets and any number of even intelligent life forms. And so they should probably be fairly sophisticated about how they go about what they're doing. So they're not going to make some rookie mistake like jumping off a UFO and suffocating in the oxygen atmosphere. We may also not be seeing biological life forms. We may see an engineered synthetic life form. We don't really know what these creatures are you know, these most exotic scenarios tend to be the least common i think we're you know there's probably a hundred ufo sightings for every close encounter experience and so i think that we'd be best served by focusing isolating our attention on the things that we can prove and bringing scientific instrumentation and exploration to that investigation totally agree robert What's your impression I, of this? I don't know where to begin first, to be honest. Well, um, I'll tell one, you what, let's uh, start with A, then B, then C. Yeah, and, and go from there. So one, uh, the percentage of cases that are close encountering cases are around about 10%. And in Jacques Vallée, with uh, Polar's kind of conservative estimate, close encounter cases that have taken place just in a 40-year period, he's identified 14 million close encounter cases alone. So if you want to multiply that by a factor of 10 to get to how many UFO you know, sighting pieces, we're talking 140 million. So the sky should be littered 
with them and we should be able to record them fairly easily. But in fact, that's not the case at all. And then to go on with the notion of the nature of the technology they've got, I always see an inherent paradox in this. They've got the capacity to travel the stars and then apparently they can perhaps create synthetic versions of life forms interact with us. Well, why even bother doing that? You can collect whatever data information you want with a tiny little nanoprobe that will give you all the info you want. You can invade our bodies if you like and get whatever clusters of cells that you need to have to perform real science if you'd like. But the notion of the retro kind of medieval tortures that people are put through in abduction cases does not speak to any kind of scientific community at work. There are a real project. It's something being put on for our show. We can even go to the Betty Barney Hill uh, case and look at the pull-down screen with the star map. I mean, this is ludicrous. This is something that is done for our benefit, or as Mike pointed out, and Chris did as well, that we obviously are bringing something to the dance, and that goes to Greg Bishop's co-creation hypothesis, that we're obviously very involved with creating the lexicon to describe what we see, and perhaps that accounts for the variance and surreal nature of some of the appearances of these characters and even what they're up to. Because the notion that they would have to make 14 million touchdowns to collect some data from us makes no sense. Why even bother appearing when they can do that completely remotely if they've got the capacity to travel like this? So I don't think that's reasonable at all. I think that's very unreasonable thinking. And if anything, it points to the notion that something else is perhaps steering the rudder uh, that makes us want to see this as an extraterrestrial event. Both the government has done a lot of work and investment in wanting to steer us in that direction. And it seems that the UFO sightings themselves also want to point in that direction there to us. And that's why I suggest that perhaps it's not a parsimonious piece, as Marduk points out, but that really reality is far more complex than we imagine it to be, and that what's taking place might be far more complex. And even the very act of seeing or be able to make the statement that seeing is believing or that well, that we can trust our senses is also a very limited piece when we think about it. We have limited frequencies uh, that we can hear. We have limited spectrums of light that we can see. The notion of are we the only tenant in the building? We, we can't even see half the tenants that are floating around in front of us. And while some of those may be detectable by our own science, we, we also have to make room for the fact that another technological civilization may have visited here a very long time ago and, and set up shop. And, and they are both in their technology and our perceptions of them, something that is beyond our even perceptual capacities. The military military, you say, is interested in conveying the impression that UFOs are the result of ET. Is that to mask what they're doing? Well, perhaps. I mean, we know from, you know, Greg Bishop's work, we know from Mirage Men, we know from the uh, silver screen saucers that the role uh, that the powers that be have played and wanting to kind of steer the narrative has been an ongoing piece. And now, whether that's for purposes of psychological control, uh, or Cold War uh, tactics and strategies, maybe just seek out information and want to know what uh, the UFO community is up to, etc. I, I think we need to pay more attention to the fact that they very consciously spend time leaking out information. They seem to celebrate and enjoy and laugh at the whole disclosure piece that we, you know, love to entertain ourselves with. And the fact that Tom DeLonge's piece has an entertainment component attached to it speaks again to the notion that let's not take this phenomenon too seriously it's just aliens invading and at the end of the movie we always beat them anyway so nothing to worry about and it seems like that narrative has really inserted itself as a 1950s narrative and we haven't let go of that one because it serves somebody's purpose uh, but yeah. it certainly doesn't answer the hardcore questions of what takes place inside of close encounter cases or why the frequency of them is at the uh, level that they are or why even the diversity of things that people see or experience or, or even how goofy some of them are that they can't even you know capture a guy in a, a 
a tree or send out, you know, sea mines to try to get the poor, you know, retired vet uh, from Detchmont Woods <laughs> brought into their the mirage-shaped ship. These things are beyond strange and they don't make sense. And really, if they are that advanced, why even bother appearing to us? Why not just keep it mysterious? As Chris said, there's a theatrical component to it as much as there's a shy component to it. And I think it's actually a very complex phenomenon. And I don't think the ETH actually can answer to the degree of complexity of both human perception, memory, consciousness, and what's being reported in terms of what's taking place when people get up close to this phenomenon. And you're not even mentioning literally hundreds of different types of appearing craft. There's flying snow cones, there's, <laughs> there's, I mean, flying dumbbells, there's almost every conceivable shape that you can imagine at one point or another has been, has been reported as, as flying through the air uh, and freaking somebody out. All the different entity types, I, I just have a very, very difficult time uh, reconciling that and, and the idea, you know, of course, Fermi's paradox. The Great Debate on the ETH with Gene and Chris and a bunch of guests. You're in The Paracast. Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh. And it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30, you know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken? It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually... Get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. Long-distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Why take another pill? Treat your aches and pains with sunshine pillows, microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body heating wraps. Sunshine pillows and wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it, even while driving. Sunshine pillows are designed with your comfort in mind, will not burn you, and will stay balanced on your body to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunshine pillows start at just $20. Join hundreds of our happy customers and see why Sunshine pillows has a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Click sunshine-pillows.com and take the Sunshine Pillow Challenge. That's sunshine-pillows.com. This just in. Before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. 
Does the current world crisis in North Korea or our domestic crisis right here in America concern you? Well, I know it concerns me. My friends over at Legacy Food Storage have solutions in the event there's the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Civil unrest, a run on your local grocery store. And here's my question to you. If this happens, how do you feed your children? How do you feed your grandchildren? Legacy Food Storage has the solutions. In fact, they can help you implement a simple plan to take care of your needs in the event of the inevitable. By calling them right now, I have authorized them to give you a special 20% discount at checkout by simply using GCN. Call 888-543-7345 or visit them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. That's 888-543-7345 or visiting them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. Make sure you use GCN at checkout for an incredible 20% discount. Don't be a victim. Take control of your life now. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The discussion is focusing primarily so far on Robert and now Thomas. Robert was saying that there was 14 million to 140 million close encounters cases. Well, Jesus, show me the proof. You know, we've got plenty of evidence that we've got objects sighted in the skies, but we can seriously conclude that 14 million to 140 million close encounters cases have actually happened. I don't think so. You know, I I think that when you start throwing in these kind of facts and putting them all under one umbrella, you get into some real trouble because no one hypothesis is going to be able to explain the entire range of exotic human experiences. So what I said was, is uh, Valet's estimate, mathematical estimate, uh, information scientist that he is, is that there's been 14 million close encounter cases over the course of a 40-year span. So you can read that paper. It's an online one and pretty popular pieces. He walks you through the steps. But if we recognize that close encounter cases are 10% of the UFO phenomenon, then we've got to multiply those 14 close encounter by another factor of 10. And that means there's 140 million UFO visit pieces, which means that they're all over the place. And, and that, in fact, is obviously not the case. And that, so I think that's where things get problematic on that level. What is he uh, qualifying as a close encounter? Is he saying that well, you're seeing an alien being? Or? standing is 500 feet, right, within an object. Oh, okay. I thought you were referring to, like, seeing a being, like, in close no. encounters of the third kind. No. No, no, that, that's a separate piece. But that close encounter piece is 500 feet within an object. And we seem that whenever we get closer to it, so when you talk about those radar pieces, we still don't know what that object is. I don't even care about where it's come from, but we don't know what it is, whether it's a ball of plasma or or who knows what's taking place there in the sky. So, yes, we're getting a, a radar piece, cluster of birds, whatever it is. We just know that we've got this odd thing that's there, but we can't really name it as something until we do thorough investigations. And I think one of the great pieces that plagues the history of ufology is 
these bad data. And, and again, Valet, who with his Capella project, you know, tried to take all these warehouses of data and work with it. And he said, it's impossible. You know, it's garbage in, garbage out. You don't have consistent collections of data when you go from country to country or even within a country like America. You've got all kinds of different kind of data reporting pieces. And, and often the investigation of the case stops with a witness report. And so his most recent uh, speech at Contact in the Desert was fascinating because there he went through a series of different cases that on the face of it look like phenomenal UFO cases. But when they are investigated a little bit more thoroughly and, and with great detail with the resources that, you know, somebody like the CNES uh, in France could do, suddenly the case breaks down as something totally mundane. And we have to ask that question, how much of the data that we've got that are these incidental reports here and there that have never really had total thorough investigation applied to all of them, how much of that data is even useful for us? I couldn't agree more. And that brings us to a really critical uh, point that's often raised in this debate. After 70 years of UFO we the ETH still hasn't advanced the field to understand the nature and origin of these experiences. I love that. But one. but in reality, just like you said, we've never ever had a focused scientific investigation using the right equipment, using trained professionals in an organized, systematic way, like science studies everything else in the universe. So until we have that, we are working with pretty much useless data sets. So we need an effort to do that. And that's why I'm so excited about what Chris is doing, because it's actually the first really legitimate scientific effort to collect scientific data about the things that are happening in our skies. I agree with that 100%. As Valet likes to say, we haven't yet done the basic science on this. That's right. So how can we properly talk about it then if we haven't done the basic science and yet make all these assumptions about what's being seen? It's exactly as the witness reported it. We haven't really done the proper investigation piece. And I think when we do look at, you know, the cases where we've done thorough investigations and, you know, whether it's Kevin Randall's, you know, going back to revisit cases now or Valet going back to revisit cases, what we start to see is, is that things do break down. And suddenly mundanity appears at the end of the line. So the question is, is how much of the ETH scenario is a myth that we have constructed for ourselves based on storytelling? Storytelling from witnesses of the experiences that are outlandish, dramatic, and the majority of which are entirely single-person cases. The number of cases that are two or more after that goes down by about a third. And then after that, cases where it has multiple witnesses, these are very, very small in number cases. So the majority of what we know and think we know about the UFO phenomenon comes from a single individual reporting, and and we want to believe that everything that they saw is accurate when we know that that there's a lot more that goes on when it comes to seeing. And when we start talking about the close encounter world, we know that there's obviously a lot of other things that need to be examined in terms of the nature of that individual, uh, of, of their state of mind, of what's taking place. I like to think of the UFO you know, close encounter piece as a set and setting event. What's the mindset of that in- individual and what's the setting that they were in? And maybe we can draw a lot more information about the phenomenon when we start looking at it from that perspective and start scrutinizing that individual who's done the seeing in the first place. The multiple witness uh, sightings cases might be a minority, but what they tell us is that almost unanimously, people see the same thing when they're witnessing these things. I'm not aware of any cases where you had three different independent witnesses who saw three completely different things in the sky. Descriptions might be a little bit off because, you know, nobody's going to recall and perceive exactly the same features in exactly the same way, like with any event. I don't see gross disparities between the observations. I mean, maybe there are cases like that, but they don't seem to be prevalent enough to have made it onto my radar. So I think that that shows us that people tend to report pretty much what is witnessed in the the sky. 
Sure. And, and maybe when we do really good detailed investigations of that, we find out that they just saw, you know, a power transformer blew up or an overload uh, Corona on a, on a wire. And uh, sure, they all saw the same thing, but it doesn't mean it's a UFO. In uh, Bud Hopkins' uh, case, there's a group of people who are standing in the window looking at something very, very bizarre and surreal out the sky. And the one individual witness claims he had an abduction experience in that. When the group gets together years later, nobody can seem to actually recall the original event. A decade later, they all recall the event, but they start reporting different things. Memory plays a role inside these things as well, too. But I think the, the times that we see actual, you know, two or more witnesses seeing the same thing, I think those are actually are very critical cases. And we should throw a lot of effort into those ones to either track down mundanity or to identify with some clarity as to what's taking place. Because I've talked to people where two or more witness uh, uh, sighting pieces, and those ones blow my mind. Like, those are the ones where I, I listen to what they have to say and I go, wow. Sounds like an alien from outer space to me, uh, you know, and I think those are fascinating ones and, and we should put more energies into it. But I think a lot of the other uh, cases that often are highly dramatic and wonderfully theatrical uh, seem to originate from a lone individual alone uh, somewhere. Or in the case of Pascagoula, you've got two people there in, in Portage County. You've got multiple police officers. You listen to their tapes and the recordings that they've done right after the event took place and you say to yourself, my goodness, that is the strangest thing that could happen to a human being. And, and it certainly sounds and looks like it's aliens from outer space that's taken place. Yet when we have to take that and add it up with all the other examples of it and just how prolific the phenomenon is, I think we have to scratch our heads a little bit and go, well, wait a second here. Not only is it too prolific, but the medieval retro technology that they appear to be using on us is also rather nonsensical. I mean, how many eggs and ovum and sperm do you really need to collect in the first place? And even now with our own technology, we can do that without leaving a mark on a person, not traumatizing them, not making a point of it in human history that it should be something paid attention to because those theatrical medieval you know, medical experiments are, are things that are being well logged here on the history of the planet and and they're they're invading our kind of our sociological culture in a way to say no here we are we're here uh, they're not evasive at all in those moments so I, I find that a little bit bizarre that we see both evasiveness when they're flying in the sky but when they're down here on the ground they're inserting ourselves themselves into our lives we got mike and robert and jason and thomas and gene and chris you're in the paracast <laughs> For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Have you ever lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, pay close attention because huge discounts are now available in solar generators. Perfect for backup power outages and emergencies. Portable solar generators provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no dangerous fumes, and produces an endless supply of electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running secretly in your own home. Right now, get a $5,000 solar generator for just $995 while supplies last. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more. That's MySolarBackup.com. GCN listeners use coupon code GCN at checkout for this special offer. MySolarBackup.com. Use coupon code GCN. EMP protection available at an additional charge. 
heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. It's been said any society is only three missed meals away from chaos those times may be near think about it our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from russia and north korea social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns and our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack when the chaos from any one of these threats arises the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency that's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Listeners, if you want to get the After the Paracast podcast and the version of this show free of network ads, subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com for more information. Plus.theparacast.com. We've got Thomas Morrison, we've got Jason, Robert Brandstetter, we've got Mike Jones, who has a few things to say. Mike? 
Yeah, so uh, thanks, Gene. Humans tend to see through the filters of, of their own biology and, and their own singular worldview. We're the only you know, tool-using, energy-exploiting species on the planet. And so when we talk about ET, we tend to lump them all into the one umbrella, the one um, one basket. We tend to, 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 to look at the motivations in a singular sense when in, when in actual fact the model, even just looking at our local neighbourhood, the galaxy, favours multiple species, multiple visitors. The idea that the craft all look different well that's entirely consistent with with the current model it's right. far far more complex than one one species of et visiting us with one set of motivations and, and one set of um goals and everything else we, we also have a problem with time scale you know human beings look at dolphins and we see an animal that lives in the water but when you when you actually look at the dolphin cr critter itself it started off in the water like all life did then it moved onto the land and then it moved back to the water and, and um, I mean, most people, they don't grasp that the time scale involved, that the bigger picture involved, that we tend to look at things through a tiny little narrow worldview, and, and then all of a sudden things don't make sense. You know, the, the, but, you know, the reality is it's, it, it's very, very complex, and, and the model itself favours multiple motivations, multiple species. Yes, some of them are able to breathe our air, maybe because they've bioengineered themselves to do so. Some of them may just stay in their craft you know, and not come out at all. Some may send probes, some may not. Um, we could be dealing with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different species. That's right. There is roughly 40 billion uh, Earth-like planets in the habitable zone of their parent stars in the Milky Way alone. So even a, even a noticeable fraction of that were to evolve intelligent life, we could be awash in a sea of myriad technological civilizations all around us, which would be fully consistent with what we're seeing. And because we're a singular species here, we tend to look at look at the whole thing through through a singular species viewpoint. We right. try and we try and find some common motivation, some common reason why they're here or why they're not here or what they're doing. But the reality is that the, the reasons and and the behaviours can can be spread across a, a broad spectrum of, of of species. Yeah, and the human species has only been around for about fifty thousand years. We could be dealing with civilizations that are hundreds of thousands, millions of years farther along than we are. Trying to understand their motivations and their technology would be, you know, incomprehensible to us. And they can be anywhere in between. It's fairly reasonable to expect that any civilization would want to send physical craft to visit other planets to collect data. The most effective way to do it. You need to be close to something to study it clearly. Absolutely. I I don't understand that, I guess, that line of thinking, particularly knowing that the way that we're looking to try to explore space now is not by investing a lot of money into a singular craft that we hope makes it through, you know, uh, whether it's radiation belts or incoming meteors, etc. We seem to be designing technology that is far more on a much smaller scale and is more efficient at sending back information. And again, if we're talking about an advanced technological species and we take a look at the direction our own technology is going in, and this was one of the pieces we talked about on the thread, you know, the notion of using a, a nano or a very small micro technology that can self-replicate and design itself along the way and send data back saves a species a lot of resources, a lot of risk, a lot of danger. There's no reason to send a life form out there. And, and, and if we're talking about societies and cultures that are hundreds of thousands or millions of years old, we would like to think perhaps that the value of human life or their own alien life uh, would be so significant and their mortality 
mortality so significant? Why bother risking traveling off somewhere else when all the information that you need to collect you can do remotely and just have it beamed right back to you? So sure, I guess I, some of them might be doing that. Rational about that's that. That's right. Yes, yeah, some lots of them people. might be doing that, we, and exactly. we wouldn't even know it. Yeah. That doesn't mean they all had to do that. Some some That's of them right. may actually be doing exactly that, and we wouldn't even know about it. They'd be sending nanoprobes down, collecting data, using stealth technology, cloth technology, doing whatever they, they want to, and we wouldn't even be aware of it. But that doesn't mean they all have to do it. Again, that presupposes they're here to get data in the first place, or that data even involves the human society at large. I mean, they appear to be mostly disinterested in our civilization. They approach individuals, not not groups yeah. or authority figures. And it may right? be the the biodiversity that's of interest to them, and we may be uh, you know a virus or a, nu- a nuisance, and in in their minds detrimental to uh, to what they might consider to be uh, an incredible you know biodiversity that our, our our planet has. So we may not even be the focus of the main attention. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, the main focus for some of them. Just looking at at the abduction phenomenon and how watching Daryl Sims break out his jewelry case that he keeps <laughs> handcuffed around his wrist uh, and looking at all these objects in there and knowing darn well that some sort of nanotech device could probably, you know, do anything that you, you could ask of it with our state of technology uh, and instead of having things that look like, uh, you know, little miniature peas or finishing nails, uh, chips of glass, that sort of thing. Uh, again, it brings, it brings back the whole question of theatricality and why appearances are probably deceiving. But well, the observation is theater. All observation is theatre. The degree of theatricality comes into to how strange it is the what you're observing. All, all observation is theatre. And, and can I throw one thing out? I've witnessed that kind of the, theatricality there, Chris. What if we are secondary to the whole thing? If we're if if we as observers really have nothing or something tangential to do with whatever it is they happen to be doing at the moment, what they're doing may not make any sense to us at all. It may feel feel very very theatrical. Right, or if they're not here for reasons that we would understand to be rational reasons at all, because whatever drives their economy or whatever reason they're they're here doesn't even exist, or we don't even understand what it is. Maybe right. the theatricality is the goal that they're trying to do, right? Like we don't, we don't know why they're here. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, and again, that that brings up you know the whole idea of the slow non-predictable way that these uh, that these encounters are taking place uh, smacks of very effective behavior modification mm-hmm. all of Pavlov and BF Skinner and uh, you know people that have done uh, work in that realm have found that unpredictability and uh, and some form of reward uh, tends to work best when you're trying to modify behavior. Uh, and a lot of what I think is being described uh, in the in the in the books and in in case logs does suggest that we are being programmed. Uh, I think in a, on a mass scale, there's some sort of behavioral behavioral programming going on. And uh, again, that that presupposes uh, some sort of agenda along those lines. But at the same time, point well taken. We really until we have something to go on. All we have is, is is what is appearing at face value, and you know it, it again, the point uh, is well taken that perhaps that theatricality is more of of something uh, you know like the magician saying uh, you know focus on my right hand while the left hand's doing doing the the magical trick uh, so 
you know, again, I, I just think it's it's inconceivable to me that you know after all this work that we put in attempting to detect signals uh, out there that it appears to be a, a big silent void that that we really haven't been able to detect anything that would conclusively indicate that there is intelligent life out in the universe right now. You know, I think Fermi is is. <laughs> I think he's he's kind of uh, the whole paradox is ringing true to me at least. I have a question to pose here, based much on what Chris said. If we're making all these efforts to listen to something, and we've got ET flying around the skies here, all over the place, all over the planet, a number of different ET races, and we're going to break, and then we'll get some answers from somebody. Why is it that we don't pick up their transmissions? Is it because they're using some kind of method that we don't detect? They're using subspace radio, and we haven't invented that technology yet. What is it? Why can't we hear them if they're talking to one another? And we assume they should be, right? Gene, Chris, Robert, Jason, Mike... And Thomas, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, 
get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Message and data rates may apply. Warning. Texting while driving is illegal just about everywhere. So if you want to take advantage of a life-changing LASIK offer, pull over when you can because a special opportunity is just one text away. The LASIK Vision Institute is offering absolutely free evaluations and dramatically low prices on high-quality LASIK. Text the keyword CLEAR55 to 350350 to get the benefit of FDA-approved LASIK technology that gives the majority of patients 20-20 vision for a fraction of what others charge. Text to schedule your free appointment to see if LASIK is right for you. When you text CLEAR55 to 350350, you'll also get an extra 20% discount off our already low-cost services. We've already performed over a million procedures. Today, it's your turn. Discover how you can get the quality LASIK experience you've always wanted for a fraction of what others charge. This great offer is just a text away. Text CLEAR55 to 350350. That's C-L-E-A-R 55 to 350350. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So I don't know who wants to take the question there. I do. Okay. You know, I think other than Mike, who has a very obvious uh, little to his chatter, it's hard to know who was who. So who was answering? Oh, that was me. And you are? Thomas. <laughs> okay, Thomas. Go ahead, please. Look, we only had about a, one century of, um, of widespread radio transmission technology, and we're already now uh, gravitating over towards uh, focused satellite transmission, cable things like that. So that little radio era is a very brief period, even in our own history, and it's already fading out really quickly. And even the signals that we are transmitting, which are now much lower power, like cell phone systems and that kind of things, they've changed their frequencies dramatically from 50 years ago, right? Plus, there are other broadband and encrypted forms of communication that would be easy to use uh, in any number of signal bands without being detected whatsoever. Also, people seriously overestimate the capabilities of SETI. If there was a SETI program around the nearest uh, star system to us, Alpha Centauri, uh, they would not be able to pick up any of the transmissions, the communications that we've created here on the Earth because our signals are too weak and the distances are too vast. The only signals they'd be able to pick up would be high-powered radar, and that contains no information whatsoever. And at some distance beyond that, you wouldn't even be able to detect the high-powered radar. So SETI is not a very effective way to go, especially when you factor in the fact that our our 100 years of widespread radio use is already fading out, and uh, civilization would have to be going through that exact same 
uh, type of technological development at the same time we are essentially in order for those signals to make it to us plus they'd have to transmit them much more loudly and er therefore much less efficiently than we ourselves have done and even SETI themselves have said recently we, we may have been looking in the wrong places we, we, we may have been looking based on the fact that we're expecting biological creatures like ourselves so we're looking in habitable zones if in fact the vast majority of the galactic societies are post-biological they could be living in, in areas uh, that, that we, we haven't even been pointing our gear at right or simply on spacecraft i mean if, once you have the ability to traverse the stars efficiently there's no point in setting down on a planet you should just stay aboard your ship and have a roving yeah. civilization yep well the other question we'd have here is that with so many different alleged space beings exploring us do they interact with one another how do we know? How can yeah, we how would we know? I, I think Very that's good. more... There's right now, there, there's a space war going on. It's cloaked, so we can't see it. <laughs> you see, that's the other issue here, too. Wouldn't you think... We have stealth technology. Wouldn't you think an advanced alien civilization could pretty much hide their travels here so we'd never detect it? Or is it a oh, show for our benefit? We Some run into those accounts so. all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's been cases I've read about where people have seen what looked like a close, a cloaked ship, like a distortion against the background sky, where they knew something was there, but they couldn't actually make it out. They've been Plus, watching Star Trek too often. No, I, I've, I've actually seen that uh -huh. uh, wow. with a whole bunch of other witnesses, I might add. Right. So it, it does appear to be happening. Plus, we have lots of uh, visual sightings uh, where we couldn't get radar confirmation. Now, maybe that radar was being withheld, but maybe it was just being cloaked, you know, using a similar type of technology that we use. Well, it's the Romulans, that's all. Well, and I just want to throw one thing out there. If they are uh, capable of perfect invisibility, like, like witnesses have said, then why do they show themselves? Either they are doing it on purpose or they're really bad at it. Or they don't. Again, you're lumping them into one basket here. You're saying they as if they're they're one society or, 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 or fair enough. That's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, well, why, it, why it, to give you an example, to why give you an example, it'd be like the guy that flies a, a single engine Cessna over over a village in South America, and then the next day the Air Force flies a supersonic jet over it. Now, now to them, if they're going to look at those as as, as singular, then they're not going to make much sense of, of the difference in in, in behaviours and technology. Mm -hmm. Fair point. So if there's so many of those species flying around there and we've never seen them shoot down each other above our planet and fighting over whatever their economic gain or material or knowledge gain is uh, for the reasons why they're here, then one should also assume there's some kind of collaboration at work uh, there as well amongst them. And so That's then why not question. have the Federation come by and just drop off the little probe and send the data back to everybody? So again, there doesn't have to be this massive waste of resources and so many different incomprehensible number of humanoids that appear to be landing on our planet. I think one of the big problems with the ETH is that it's one of those theories that does start to write its own narrative and it starts and, to chase uh, its own tail and uh, develop a way of thinking about things that creates its own mythology for its own sake. And I think that that actually is part of the misdirection because I do see it as a phenomenon that's very concerned with misdirection. We talk about the idea of the trickster quite, quite often and it does seem to be leading us to want to think about it in a very specific and select way and i wonder how much we are missing 
in that equation when we've allowed that narrative to be the singular one that's dominated because when we look at it we actually haven't collected a lot of information off that narrative so while i'm not saying abandon the eth i'm saying maybe switching gears might allow us to see things from a different angle different perspective collect some better data than the narrative that the eth writes because we haven't gotten much from it at all how do we know it's a waste of resources but you're looking at that from the human point of view on a finite planet with a finite set of resources. So, so from our filter, yes, that might seem like a waste of resources. It may be nothing in them. It may be a mouse's piss in the ocean to them <laughs> to, have, to have a zillion craft. Why See, bother right? visit us then? It may be a post-scarcity kind See, of civilization where resources aren't really constrained. And I just want to challenge the thinking that perhaps they're collaborating at all. I mean, they appear to be disinterested in us as a society. Why would they be interested in each other as a society? Perhaps it's a group of individuals here. Yeah, I think we get into a real bird's nest when we start trying to dismantle motives and uh, ambitions exactly. and all of that kind of thing. So I mean, do it. Yeah, I have really – very little interest in trying to do that because it's counterfactual. There's absolutely no way to discern that, and all it does is muddy the conversation. I love alternative ideas and explanations, and I'm sure that there are many other very strange things that go on in our lives that defy explanation that are have nothing to do with the ETH. But uh, I don't. I don't think that we should lump them all together and just say, "Oh, well, the ETH can't be right because it doesn't explain this thing that I've thought up." Not saying it's not right, and I'm not saying that it should be abandoned entirely because it does make total sense in terms of all the things that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. But when we add up all the data that we've got and all the evidence we've got, it doesn't seem to link up in a very happy way. It seems to point to a lot of other potential motives at work, and it seems like we're being led down that road to say, yes, it is aliens from space, and we shouldn't really worry too much about it because they're just beyond us anyways. And I'm just wondering, are we missing missing some data, missing information, when we keep turning ourselves to look upwards instead of looking inwards to see how much of this phenomenon belongs to us, how much of it is something that we've helped to create. There have been distinct patterns that we know just from the 1900s onwards in terms of looking at airships to Foo Fighters and balls of, of light uh, to uh, then not, literally nuts and bolts craft as reported by people seeing actual nuts and bolts on the actual craft to glass-shaped objects, to triangles, to platforms the size of football fields. And so there are these other kind of pattern elements that are there that don't really make a lot of sense when we think about the, the lexicon that we've used to describe these patterns that have taken place. And they're very distinct patterns that are, that are known. It seems that we are very involved in the phenomenon. So when we keep mm. looking outwards at the ETH component of it, we forget that there's a single human witness who is one of the greatest definers of the phenomenon. But I well, disagree. I, Every, everything you've said there is entirely consistent with, with multiple species within the ETH. You know, the, the different sorts of craft, the different types of craft, the balls of light, the, the glass-shaped craft, that's all entirely consistent with an ETH. So, sorry, Mike, you're saying like flying boats in the air, like airship mystery, uh, with like cavemen to well-dressed British folk to Asian people to people wearing furs. Uh, that's like completely consistent with an advanced species that's coming to visit us? Not necessarily, not necessarily. I mean, there, there's obviously also, you know, human beings tell lies and human beings trick each other. So you've got to add that to the mix as well. You've got to sort the wheat from the chaff. But, well, how but in much, terms of what's this, the percentage there? Well, it's very hard to tell. As I said, human beings love to play tricks on each other. Human beings love to tell lies. There's a famous cartoon that I saw years ago where one alien says to the other, that guy saw us, what are we going to do? And the, and the other alien says, don't worry about it. These guys are pathological liars. No one's going to believe a word he says. So how much is real? What should we study? Which is the good data? 
I think I'll let Thomas. I'll let Thomas answer that because I think I think he, he he knows the answer to that one. Okay. Before Thomas delivers that answer, and we continue the debate, and I'm also going to ask, okay, whatever they are, how do we prove it? Which may be the biggest dilemma of all. With UFOs, we're in our sense here debating the possibilities that UFOs are really spaceships, or maybe not. Maybe they're are other anomalies, maybe it's a mixture of so many different possibilities with Robert, Thomas, Mike, Jason, Gene, and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But did you know you can have tax-free access to your life insurance while you're still alive? You can use the life benefits of your life insurance to grow your money with certainty and guarantees. No stock market risk, no tax risk, and no penalties. Call Life Benefits if you'd like a free book about how this can be done. Call 702-660-7000. That's 702-660-7000. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We are debating the possibilities of the ETH, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Where do UFOs come from? But I'm going to throw a bigger question in the final third of the show here. That's probably the most difficult to consider here. Talk is cheap. We can debate till the end of creation. As long as we are capable of debating anything, what UFOs really are, And we won't solve anything until there's a final answer. So, Thomas, since you began the debate in our forums about 
extraterrestrial UFOs. If we assume that a lot of what you say is correct and the theory is valid, how do we prove it? Well, I think what we need is uh, is exactly the kind of thing that Chris is doing, but uh, I'd love to see it on a much larger scale. And I think that Peter Davenport had an absolutely brilliant idea when he proposed the idea of a passive radar system that we could deploy in cities all around the country and eventually create a national network. That's something that we could do in the public where we'd actually have uh, the ability to see the data online in real time that people could contribute to that could be attached to apps that are installed on people's cell phones. So they could be alerted if things were happening in their area and they could use yeah. their cameras to collect data and all that kind of thing. I believe in scientific research. I think that that's what's been missing for 70 years in ufology i think that it's long overdue and i'm thankful to god that chris has got two projects to do it at least in the in the public domain uh we we don't know how involved uh governments have gotten in in terms of actual uh hard data monitoring uh with with gear uh in in the case of the san luis valley project i'm i'm very very fortunate to sit in a valley a very large valley that's radar invisible below eighteen thousand feet there is no radar uh, we're right in between uh, three major control uh, areas for the FAA, which indicates to me that there's a possibility we may be able to get an active radar uh, scenario set up. What, what we have uh, in mind, I've, I've come up with an idea of slaving an actual pan-tilt platform that will be sent coordinate data, just like the cameras are being sent coordinate data, and have this thing pointed at the event and possibly dampen down a 350 degree uh, of a 360 degree sweep of a, a radar sweep and have a window open for about 10 degrees. And because we're panning and tilting and slaving motion with the actual platform, we'll be able to shoot and paint uh, an event, you know, I think fairly easily and get a return uh, from an active uh, scenario as, as, as opposed to a passive one. And it would be very difficult for anybody even trying to find the unit to find it because we're, we're dampening down the entire sweep with the exception of that about uh, 8 to 10 degrees. So uh, that's another idea. And I think I can pull it off in the valley because it's so remote, there is no competing signals. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, so so you know there are there are different ways to approach uh, data gathering. Another area that I don't hear anybody ever talking about is ultrasonic uh, monitoring, uh, VLF and ULF, extremely low frequency uh, waves. There is a subsonic component to the phenomenon. I'm convinced. Um, I've I've actually in one case I think I actually felt it. It it, it almost made me nauseous. So there's a good possibility that we're we're not even even thinking I think in in a you know in totality uh, with the kinds of of scientific information we may be able to actually gain. So if you've got acoustic data, you have radar returns, you have magnetic data, you have gravitational data, um, both digital and analog uh, optical data. The analog uh, optical data could be divided up into light spectra, so you'd be able to really zero in on you know how much energy is being expended uh, and what kind of energy is being expended. This kind of, uh, of data is going to be extremely difficult to debunk, and probably the best they could do, the skeptics uh, in, in, in them, uh, is just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, but they won't, because there's enough people in the scientific community who would They're absolutely just waiting love for to pour over that data. Absolutely. People <laughs> would love to jump on board and analyze that to try to get some handle on it, looking for an explanation. Yeah. Because whoever comes up with the most convincing explanation is going to be you know, widely revered as the person who solved the mystery, <laughs> you mm. know? 
that's a big, uh, big crown to wear. Right. Well, I, I think the whole idea that you brought up uh, before uh, about Peter Davenport and and starting to we could set up a, a way for people to do this in their own neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. for not that much money. You know, you start uh, having a component system that that is spreading out and, and covering uh, larger and larger and larger amounts of space. Uh, invariably, we're going to be able to get some replicated data. The valley, the San Luis Valley, has uh, very, in, at times, almost predictable types of, of craft and and flight lines, which you know goes into a whole, the whole scenario of of actually being able to replicate your data, uh, which would be almost uh, virtually impossible to ignore uh, if if that. Uh, by some miracle, we were able to do that. It would be very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I That's think exactly the answer to did. Gene's question, uh, it, it can be compartmentalized too. I mean, how, how do we prove it? Well, we, we have to define we. I mean, it may well be that the, the, the government agencies have already proved it. Mm-hmm. So the question then is how do we as, um, uh, you know, armchair researchers, how do we prove it? Um, and and the, the other point that was made is, is that if you can find proof, um, they'll be all over. You look at the Cometa report. You had uh, General Pierre Bescon, the engineer for armaments. You had General Alain Orzag. He was an engineer um, in physics and armaments engineer. You had the Air Force, the French Air Force involved. There will be a lot of interest in 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 this proof, and and it'll come from people who want to exploit what they can find in order to to you know make sure that their own little part of the world is is best looked after. I remember seeing documents from the 1940s that were originated from operations at White Sands that were talking about uh, deploying synthetic to track unknown objects, and yep. um, and I think they had uh, I've read somewhere about gen interceptors that had gun cameras and other scientific equipment on board that they could they could. Uh, they could send to a sighting area at the time it was happening to collect data. So I think the military has already done this work, and they've yep. probably arrived at, yeah. at the conclusions that we're looking for. Um, so it's hard to replicate some of those things, but fortunately, like Chris has pointed out, you can now buy you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of technology you know from the 1960s for fifteen dollars and put it on a P- on a PC yeah. board. Off you go. Yes. Yep. Yeah, literally. And and another thing that I find very interesting in looking at my my um, my event log um, over a 10, 12 year period is there's quite a number of reports that feature the air force arriving at about to the second, how long it would take for them to get there from the front range mm-hmm. and go hauling haul ass after uh, these craft. Uh, and, and there definitely seems in, at least in my estimation to be a real active uh, uh, response uh, to many of these sighting events, especially uh, in the area where I was investigating. I mean, there was a number of times that you could almost time them uh, to that seven-minute window it would take to scramble a jet and get it over here. Seven to eight minutes uh, it would take uh, with somebody on standby. And uh, there were a number of times where it, it was almost comical. You know, we're saying, okay, they should be here any second. Now, here comes an F-16 on full military power. You know, I do really have a sense that um, if the government has not already done this and the military has not already been tasked with this, they're they're idiots. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think and they've they been may doing be. it for the, I think they've been doing it for the last seventy years, and it really it's it's really frustrating because we we footed the bill for that, and I don't see what gives the military dominion over research into an anomalous phenomena in the sky. That's National that. security. Well, I've had a similar experience with the local air force, the the RAAF here in Australia. 
you know, you know, you call a bank's call center because you've got a problem with your account, and the person on the other end doesn't know a damn thing about their own systems. That they don't know what they're doing. They can't help you. I had a strange guy walk up to to my wife on the street and 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 say to her, "Your husband's seen them, hasn't he? He's seen the aliens." And and after my experience, I actually contacted the, the RWF, and they had a UFO desk. And, and I phoned this UFO desk, and you'd expect the person on the other end to be sort of not really know what was going on. Within a few minutes, he, 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 he cut me off, and he filled me in on all the rest of the details. He knew who this guy was. He knew where this guy lived. He told me that, that they had actually been out with equipment to, to, to check into his claims uh, and had actually been down my street with equipment. Well, just a minute. We'll get into more of this in our next segment. Mike Jones. Robert Branstetter, Thomas Morrison, Jason, Gene, and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, 
customers. The Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey Light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. The gruff Robert, as opposed to the <laughs> calm and collected Robert. Mike, I'm getting interested in this more and more as I hear you. Do you have more details? Yeah, it was a very strange experience. My wife was out the front water in the front yard, and, and I was inside. And she came in and said, I've just had a strange man walk up to me. And, and uh, old Fred, was he's, he's now deceased, um, but old Fred was, was how he was known on the street. Um, and she said, he said, your husband's seen them, hasn't he? He's seen the aliens. And he then went on and had a lengthy talk to her about the end of our street terminates in the national parks, thousands and thousands of acres of, of bush um, and eucalypt forest. And he, he, he was telling her all about the alien base that was, that was down the end of our street and how he'd been down there with, with friends and the dogs would freak out and run away whenever they got close to this particular rock wall face where he said that the, the, the entrance to the space was at. And I actually sort of, I, I thought it was all a bit strange. So, so I, I phoned the RAAF because he swore the RAAF had been out. And I thought, well, the first thing I can do is check, is he mad? Um, or can I, can I fact check his claim that he's had the RAAF out? So I phoned the RAAF and they said, yes, we've got a UFO desk. And they gave me the number. And I phoned the UFO desk, and far from being confused or vague about what was going on, this this guy immediately knew exactly who I was and what I was talking about and who I was talking about and where I was talking about. And he confirmed his whole story, that the RAAF had sent a team out with radiation detectors and Geiger counters and all sorts of magnetic anomaly detectors and had thoroughly researched his claims and, and concluded that there was no base there. But they did it. That They came out. Well, that's at least having some official presence in UFO investigation. Yes. Allegedly, there's none in the USA. Well, I think they just won't admit it. <laughs> we have a much more secretive government, and that's saying a lot because the British don't have an exactly open government either. But ours seems to be singularly invested in secrecy on all kinds of things. And certainly anything as compelling and interesting to the public as this. Do you feel then that there is something to disclose, that if you force disclosure on the part of the U.S. authorities, they'd have something there that would be significant when it comes to UFOs? 
they'd probably have vaults full of empirical data collected from scientific ex- experiments aboard craft and from their bases and all kinds of things. Yeah. And they'd probably have papers concluding that these things were devices that are highly advanced from an unknown civilization that was not terrestrial. Basically. Well, do you think that if we have this access that we've reversed engineered any of their technology? Boy, that's, that's hard to say. The, the black world is so black. And, you know, that's another argument that comes up a lot. People say, oh, if we had this kind of technology, we'd know about it by now. It's like, I don't think you underst- a lot of people understand just how strict military security is. Yep. You know, these Lockheed Martin and Boeing and, uh, and Northrop Grumman and all these companies, those companies don't leak their research data. Uh, that You're going to find yourself in prison if you t- say a word about any of that stuff. And it'll never get that far because they monitor the communications and the movements of everybody on those programs. I mean, I remember seeing a billion dollar secret with Nick Cook. They were interviewing at Lockheed, and uh, the people involved in those programs live in terror of those programs, and they find them to be morally repugnant. So, yeah, they can keep secrets. You bet. I was in that show, by the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was a great one. I was in that. That was was a good project. It was. Yeah, the the military mind is is, is well known for that. I mean, their their attitude is a, a battle space advantage shared is a battle space advantage lost. Um, a technological uh, advantage shared is a technological advantage lost. As soon as you share it, you've lost it. If you have an advantage and, the, and then you let the, you put it out in the public and, and then the Russians and the French and the British have it, then it's lost. You don't have that advantage anymore. Okay, so yeah, we're I, assuming then, Mike, it raises the possibility here that each military <laughs> of each major government has their own store of knowledge about UFOs. Probably they're not sharing it. And once again, if they have access to the technology, where is the evidence? Can they keep that a secret for 70 years? Wouldn't they want to exploit that in dealing with potential enemies? I mean, if you could hide your craft from everybody, not just stealth technology, but a cloaking device, wouldn't you be able to fly over North Korea the question is, I guess, is how far along are they w- w- with that? I mean, it's one thing to say they've reversed engineered technology, but it may not be as direct as that. It could just simply be a case of monkey see, monkey do. We, we may simply not be able to reverse engineer the technology, but we may, having seen that it's possible to do these things, we may well be pursuing ways of making it happen for ourselves. I've got a little anecdotal story about this, actually. I was having a meeting with Blaine Kern, because uh, I work in Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. Um, and Blaine Kern is one of the big parade uh, production men, people here. He shared a paper with me during a meeting one time that had been left for him by his dear friend, Gordon Novell. And uh, this was back in the early 2000s. I think it was 2004. And he said that I couldn't make a copy of it, but I could I could look at it because Gordon forbade him from making any copies. So I, I was trying to browse this research paper, and that's what it was, kind of technical research briefing. There was a photocopy. And so there's photocopies of, of photographs as well. And there was a research team that was working on um, a type of physics that I had never even heard of at that point called stochastic electrodynamics. And they had two devices that were, maybe four or five feet long and egg-shaped. And in one of the photos, there was a cover. They're polished uh, looking, maybe aluminum. And there was a cover off of one and you can see all the tubes and wiring and so forth inside. And they had nicknamed them Fat Boy and Little Man after the nuclear bombs. And they claimed that these devices could levitate in midair. 
Now, that was apparently cutting-edge research around that time that he had shared with his dear friend, Blaine Kern. So that might have been a leak. That might have been a legitimate leak from a scientific research program. Do you folks believe, and we could have volunteers to take up on it, that what Philip Corso said, as quoted in The Day After Roswell, was true, that he was the bag man feeding alleged alien technology from Roswell into the hands of the military? Or did he mm. make all that up? I'll chime in. This is Jason. I'll chime in. I absolutely do not. If, if you actually look at the claims he's made, and actually, you know, I, I have a technical background. If you follow the claims that he has for the materials and technologies he talks about, there is actually a strong and rich and storied tradition about how these technologies actually came about. Yeah. So for him to say, yeah. hey, we found him in a, in a junkyard that some alien spaceship crashed, there is no evidence what's for that whatsoever. You can actually see the line of reasoning you know, for things like uh, silicon geranium doping to make logic gates, for things like fiber optics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You can actually see the entire progression and evolution of the technology. I do a whole presentation. Uh, uh, I've done it a number of times called the Masters of Deception. And a big chunk of it is is actually showing people that there is, you know, a very uh, plain and in-your-face uh, evidence chain of, of many of the technologies that he claims uh, were salted into private industry. Uh, there's a number of them that, that began way before Roswell, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and others that that uh, are historic. Uh, I mean, Shockley's uh, you know work uh, Bell Labs on the transistor is is a good point, uh, a good one to point to, uh, for instance. And uh, mm -hmm. and you know, you know I, I still I I would equate it. You know, you would think that technology uh, on the level that we may be dealing with, regard, regardless of where it's coming from, uh, would be like giving a hand in a cell phone to, uh, you know, Co-Magnum Man or something. We've got more to come with Gene, Chris, Thomas, Mike, Robert, Jason. People think I can't remember all those names. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Have you ever lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, pay close attention because huge discounts are now available in solar generators. Perfect for backup power outages and emergencies. Portable solar generators provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. And, unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no dangerous fumes, and produces an endless supply of electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running secretly in your own home. Right now, get a $5,000 solar generator for just $995 while supplies last. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more. That's MySolarBackup.com. GCN listeners use coupon code GCN at checkout for this special offer. MySolarBackup.com. Use coupon code GCN. EMP protection available at an additional charge. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. 
This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts EASY66 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY66 to 85850. Ask about the Bosley Guarantee. E-A-S-Y-6-6 to 85850. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. But I'm thinking here, Chris, when we look at that, if they were going to get evidence of alien technology, as you say, transistors, night vision goggles... Fiber optics, that seems so elementary and simplistic. Surely E.T. would have gone way beyond that. How would we even be able to reverse engineer anything, understand anything of a technology, even a 100 years beyond us? As you say, if you give an iPhone to a Cro-Magnon, yeah, but if you bring an iPhone into maybe the 18th or 19th century, they'd have an awful time with it. 
Yeah, and it may be that the technology is so exotic and so, as Arthur C. Clarke would say, magical, we may, might not even be able to even recognize it as technology. That's possible. But on the other hand, we're not a 19th or 18th century technology at this point. We've actually made huge progress, and we're doing attosecond imaging, and we can detect subatomic particles. We can detect pretty much any structured form of molecule, and we can run tests on them to see what properties they have. So we might not be able to replicate the final effects intended for the components of an alien technology, but my God, I'm sure we could learn an enormous amount just from on the materials engineering spectrum and the general physical system. We're starting now to custom engineer the quantum wave function of composite matter to create new physical properties that have never existed in nature before, to our knowledge. So, you know, we're making a huge progress, and I think that we'd learn a lot if we had a sample of an alien technology. Maybe not enough to replicate the field propulsion system or the scanning technology or whatever, but it would definitely push us along. Okay, do you think, Thomas, that we actually recovered an alien craft at Roswell. Not oh dear. I you know, I really doubt it. You know, I, there's so many sides to that argument and it's such a labyrinth of arguments. Uh it's hard to say, you know, if, if really anything involving extraterrestrials happened there. Anyone else, anyone believe in the Roswell story as is popularly conceived? I hear silence. <laughs> well, I'll chime in. Absolutely not. You know, even if it were the case, there's no way to tell now. But for the folks that have actually done the digging, there is so little actual evidence that an alien spacecraft came down or this stuff was recovered. There's evidence that something happened. And that's all we can say. The only thing that I find really compelling is Jesse Marcel's son describing the materials and the eye beams and the strange writing. You know, that does stick with me like, hmm, maybe there was something there. Yeah, exactly. Memory metals that would have been decades way ahead of our discoveries in science. Well, you see, what happened here is that Batman went back in time. Remember they talked about memory (laughs) cloth in Batman Begins? Oh, yeah, that's right. With the fly electrical current to it, it gets rigid. Ooh. The the other aspect about exotic technologies and materials, too, is is how much do you release, I mean, to to the general public? Even if you know how that that works, whether you reverse engineered it or whether monkey see, monkey do, you've you've decided there's a proof of concept and you've figured it out. Free energy and anti-grav, if if, if given to to the planet Earth now, would absolutely destroy our economies. And 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 I've waxed lyrical on on, on that. I don't think so. Oh, absolutely. because, uh, look, for every dollar that the oil industry loses in creating energy, uh, in just the people who have to buy that energy save that money. It's the people that, that mine uh, the, the oil that make the tarmac for the roads, which you no longer need. It's the people that work in the service stations, the transport industry that transports the fuel. It's the guys that cut down trees to make poles and wires. the miners who dig up the copper. Yeah, but to make for all of those toxic wire. processes, all of those go. we're going to gain additional technologies and You're abilities. You're going to gain one technology. You're going, to, you're going to gain one industry and you're going to lose a thousand. And then that's employment. That's people's jobs. It's, well, it, I don't think you're going to absolutely crash the economy. Yeah. Every, time, every time there's a major advancement in transportation, it's a huge boon to the economy. And, and it's got all kinds of support industries. We have technological advancements on every frontier, the support uh, services on every end. I mean, I don't think that any major technological advancement has hurt the economy. It seems like it always fuels a period of economic growth. We've seen that. Someone always loses. Or- 
It's sure, somebody's going to lose, but other people are going to win. A lot, you know, it's going to stimulate the economy in all kinds of un- unexpected ways. My God, if you could travel from here to to China in an hour, it, people would take that a lot more. It, more people would travel, so that would increase the spending on that industry. I mean, I don't think that there's anything to fear about advances in technology of that nature. I, but I think there's a great deal to fear with sticking with what we have because we're destroying our planet. And we're poisoning our ecosystem. We're in the midst of a, of a massive extinction event right now, all precipitated by those industries. But you have a situation here in some parts of the world, like one certain country, where that's not believed. And if the people in authority don't believe it, they're not going to do anything about it. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of belief is greed. There's a lot of vested interests with a lot of money that like it just the way that it is. And they're investing in political donations all the time to make sure that things don't change. You know, I think there's a very, very high chance that the defense uh, research industry has created alternative energy sources that we will not see the will not see the light of day because it's not profitable to the oil industry that controls our government. And so maybe we do have warp drive. It's possible. I, I don't think that it's that likely because when you look at the math, the energy requirements and the control systems you'd need are like a whole, several generations ahead of what we have now. But they have, may, may have found loopholes. You know, it's impossible to say. They, there was the most well-funded scientific research program in all of human history. We're spending hundreds of billions of dollars a year on our military, and a huge chunk of that goes into black projects. And they have also got funding sources that are not through the tax system, not through the government. They've got their own funding systems with all kinds of covert manners of gaining money. So it's impossible to gauge what they might have achieved with hundreds of billions of dollars a year in research. One thing that kind of bothers me again if we have access to all this technology and you consider the advantages we have over every other country, if we're assuming this is a U.S.-based ability, unless it's being shared by a number of countries, that when we have people like in North Korea firing nuclear weapons, they'd all disappear. All that would disappear overnight if See, we have all that power. That. We have all that power to control things, to fly cloaked devices, to have weaponry sure. beyond anything we can understand. Why aren't but we Gene, using it? Gene, your greatest strategic advantage to having those technologies is using them covertly so that nobody knows right. that you have them. If you exactly. do some big public display of that technology, you've lost that strategic advantage, which could be a civilization-ending mistake for you. What do you convey privately? Whatever makes money, right? I mean, these industries are, they're going to create products, they're going to sell patents that, you know, doesn't uh, compromise national security. They're going to get that stuff out in industry and make money with it, right? Right. But what does the military do quietly to convey the message to some kind of rogue nation that we have some technology here that's going to really mess with you and there's nothing you can do to stop us? Right. If you get out of line, or is all this posturing just posturing? It is. We already have the ability, the push of a button yeah. to make North Korea go away. We could do That's that right. now. Yeah. And we could do that now, but we're not. And, and so you've got to look at the reasons as why, why we're not doing that. It's not a matter of whether we have exotic technology or not. We, we have a big red button that will make North Korea go away in, in, in one big flash of light. We could do that now. And, and keep the not. infrastructure intact as well. Right, the neutron bomb. Just kill right. all the people. Yep. <laughs> Yep, you could do that. But again, the political ramifications, um, do, do you end up sparking a global conflagration, the likes of which will make World War II look, look like, you know, the, 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 the Civil War? I mean, it, 
that we, we have the ability to make North Korea go away. But we're sure, not but you're that. talking about nuclear war. I'm thinking yeah. of we have advanced alien technologies, we have phaser weapons, we have photon beams, whatever, that we can do things that they can't fight and do these things quietly in ways that we wouldn't be discovered, we wouldn't ah. be blamed for the deed. It's too, there's the it's rub. too big of a risk. We'd be discovered. Yeah. It's too big of a it's risk, right. Problem. I mean, how many times do our covert helicopter remissions go down in the desert? I mean, Because or the technology is not advanced enough, that's it. Oh. Guys, one more segment left. Thomas, Robert, Mike, Jason, Gene, and Chris. You're in. The Paracast, mates. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com, just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... The stores I love to eat. Yum! Thepowermall.com. People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? 
With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com. For your quick, free reputation analysis, call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The great debate, ETH, extraterrestrial hypothesis. What about the ramifications of possible knowledge of alien technology? And I'm going to ask one other question which follows if we've had access to this technology for Mike Jones, Thomas Morris, and Robert Branstetter, and Jason. Anyone want to take this secret space program? If we have all this money, if we have all this technology, other than spy satellites, are we using it to explore outer space? Why did we basically give up virtually, except for much lesser programs, after we reached the moon? Thomas. Well, I do remember that in the UK, there was an amateur hacker who got access to some military database information about fleet transfers in a space program, right? Isn't that kind of probably the inception? Well, it was a a list of off-planet officers, Mm -hmm. uh, and that was uh, Gary McKinnon. Ron Regeer, who's been on the show, um, is, is occasionally is active in the forums. He worked for Aerojet and Douglas Aircraft for almost 40 years. He, he's brought up a very good point, which I, I've related, I think, before, but I'll just I'll give a, a thumbnail uh, version of it. There are certain materials that you need to pull a certain craft uh, off uh, in terms of design and, and manufacturing. And there's only a limited amount of those uh, materials to go around. And when somebody makes a big order, everybody knows about it. They may not know exactly what it's being used for, but everybody knows about it because we're all fighting for the same limited amount of, of, of resources. And he said that if, if there the amount of, of materials uh, highly exotic and, and in many cases classified materials that you would need to even pull off one or two of these craft. Uh, everybody would know about it. And, uh, you know, he had a pretty high security clearance himself. And he said there was absolutely no evidence whatsoever that he knows of to suggest that there's anything coming close to a secret space program for what it's worth. Well, that's a pretty good argument. 
yeah, it is it is pretty persuasive, somebody on the inside, so to speak. But on the other hand, you know, when you look at the documents from our security people, and um, it just seems like they are some very, very smart people. If they had a plan to create something like a secret space program, and I'm not saying that they did, but it is really suspicious that we don't seem to have spaceflight capability right now, at least in the public. There seems to me that we must have something capable of going in out of the atmosphere. Then you would start, you'd create the infrastructure from the ground up. You'd create a covert uh, infrastructure. You'd have a parent company with the sub companies, you'd be able to, I think, get what you needed covertly one way or the other. If, even if you had to have your own mining operations and classify the entire project from the ore level all the way to the application level, I think it could be done with the kind of money that the U.S. military spends and the way that they hide it and the fact that there's no oversight, congressional oversight for, for any of these special access programs. Uh, they could do pretty much anything they wanted. I, I think that it's highly likely that we have a secret space program, and that's just coming back to basic human tribal instincts. You know, every single tribe thinks it's better than all the other tribes on the planet, and the idea that you would have an opportunity to get your group of people, your, your particular tribe off planet and away from the mess that's this planet and leave all the mess behind, I, I, I can't see humans sharing. And just the simple, the high ground always wins argument. You know, space is the ultimate high ground. We're, no, we're not going to let the Chinese, who are now actively pursuing space programs, uh, have total domination of space. The, we, the satellites that we have up there that we depend on for our intelligence, we've got to protect those. So we have to have some kind of measures against those. And you've only got to build the bootstrap. I mean, in terms of resources from the planet Earth, which is, again, we're coming back to this, looking at it from our own blinkered worldview. You've only got to build the bootstraps, and then you can get your resources from the moon or from the asteroid fields or from Mars. I think you have to be careful there. I mean, there is a secret space program. We know there are secret space flights, and there's the military trainer little shuttle that they have, and there's all kinds of those kind of stuff. But those are all normal human technologies. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about some giant advanced spacefaring civilization we've created or bases on the moon or bases on the Mars, guess what? There's no evidence of that. We have probes there. We've got orbiters. We've got all kinds of stuff. There's nothing there. So where is it? What I'd like to point out is that this line of questioning and this kind of, you know, is the speculative growth that comes out of the ETH. And now suddenly we're talking about off-planet soldiers. And I think this is where the ETH takes us to, is to actually move away from the relevant discussion of what's actually taking place here on Earth with actual human beings that are seeing things. And then suddenly we start talking about things that there's no evidence for. And I would include, you know, Roswell and the notion of alien uh, landings or the fact that we don't really see any changes in public policy from the American government in terms of how to protect our skies, that there's no evidence of these pieces that are actually in place. Given that, then the rest of the speculation that follows really is entirely science fiction as a discussion, and it moves us away even further from the actual things that people see. And I guess that's the problem that I've got with the ETH piece is that that's where it ends up taking us. It takes us to silly places where we start mythologizing and we start talking about alien cults and suicide cults and religions and all these other things flow out of that chain of thinking that really no. I think is part of the misdirection. This is no, the obfuscation of what's actually taking place, which is probably something far more mysterious and engaging that is concerned with us, with human beings and our, our perceptual capacities. And I don't understand why we would not want to seek more 
time into thinking about that and pursuing those ways, even though it's more complex and, and, and more difficult to think about and it's not parsimonious. But the fact is 70 years of ETH hasn't brought us anything and it keeps okay. removing us further and further till we've got soldiers off planet now. So right, now that's two points that I need to bring you. up. ETH you has not been tested as a hypothesis, to be fair. Okay, look, that's true. But look, the, you don't need the ETH to end up with the, with the secret space program exactly. stuff. Exactly. All you need is the secrecy of the military and the fact that we know that they routinely hide all of their most sophisticated advancements. And right. I don't think Gary McKinnon connected the uh, extraterrestrials to the secret space program either. I mean, just the advancement of technology and the money that we're putting into it, it creates suspicions. So I don't think that it's right to impugn the ETH with the secret space program mythology. Please tell that to David Wilcock. Please. <laughs> well, David, I don't want to do any talking to David Wilcock because a lot of people out there are talking complete nonsense. And I think that it's wrong to hold the ETH accountable for what a bunch of crazy opportunists want to do with it. I agree. This is the Hall of Mirrors kind of effect where you have to be really simple and really precise and apply critical thinking to everything you're saying. I think we need to take a far more simple and clear view of what we can test and what we can verify. You know, Chris's kind of citizen science is absolutely the way to go. In one uh, aspect, I'm actually doing it being somebody who, who's very doubtful of what we can actually learn from it because I've always f fallen on more of the psychological, collective unconscious, you know, modern myths of, of elves and fairies side of the equation uh, just naturally uh, because of my own experiences and because of the, uh, the inscrutability of the whole thing. I'm only coming up with this whole idea of the hard data monitoring thing to see if it even can work. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's more of a challenge than anything else. <laughs> but it's definitely the right idea. It's the first yeah. thing that you do when you're confronted with a mystery is you try to collect scientific data yeah. on it. Yeah, let's that, get that out of the way first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this idea that the ETH hasn't uh, solved the enigma in 70 years is absolutely empty because we haven't made any kind of scientific effort in 70 yeah. years. Exactly. So we haven't tested it. This has been a really fascinating discussion, but only the first I think it should continue. If everybody can uh, hang around, we'll do uh, after the Paracast if people can do it. This is a special announcement. We've run out of time with the main episode of the Paracast, but there's a lot more to go. And we have a second radio show called After the Paracast, available only to subscribers of Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com, and we'll continue with Robert Brandstetter, and Thomas Morrison and Mike Jones and Jason with Gene and Chris. It'll be the kind of show that the language is not censored. You can find yeah. us, by the way, on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. You can check out Chris's site, OurStrangePlanet.com. And you can find two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And you can choose the group or the community. And I don't know what the differences are, but I'll leave it be. We have the Paracast Plus for prices starting at just $1.49 a week. Our price cheap, like they used to say with Mad Magazine, less than the cost of a cup of coffee, except at Circle K now, where the price has gone down to $1.20 for a cup of coffee. $1.49 a week. We have lifetime subscriptions, five-year, one-year, whatever. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. Thank you, Thomas Morrison. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Mike Jones. Thanks, Gene. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, and thank everybody else. Thank you, Robert Brandstetter. Thanks, Gene and Chris, for this really interesting discussion.
featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs> <laughs>